Hello, and welcome to Myths and Stories, a Destiny podcast. Uh, I guess specifically a Destiny lore podcast. We have been covering the Awoken and the history of the Awoken. And I think, and Myth, please, for the love of God, tell me I'm correct. This might be the last part of it. I am confident that this is the finale of our History of the Awoken series. This is lit- like this is literally the longest series ever. It just keeps going. But that's fine. It it it's fine. Uh so yeah, so we're going to hopefully wrap it up tonight and then uh we got some special stuff planned for next week uh which we're super excited for. Uh so last week we ended uh with Aldrin uh surrendering himself surrendering himself to the um the the prison the prison of elders uh uh run by Varix and uh specifically surrendering himself to Petra and Cade and everyone that's been hunting him since he's been going mad and with and with the with Fickrel the fanatic and and all the barons uh and so now we're going to kind of pick right back up with that cuz this this again as far as the awoken's concerned uh their their history is one of the most recorded histories uh and i i i personally think we have mara mara herself to to thank for that i think she wants she wants her people to be remembered she wants uh that i i don't know that she wants the recognition of it but she wants to know she wants everyone to know that that her people mattered and so that's where that's where a lot of her history or a lot of the history they woken comes from is is that uh is that it it is Mara trying to keep this 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 idea of this people this this faith of this people going uh to help save the soul system from the 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 bigger bad uh but yeah so we're gonna we're gonna jump right back into the prison of elders uh right back in with uh Aldrin, who is by at this time come fully corrupt from Riven. He's he had this thing in his eye that was driving him mad and it was literally Riven. Like she is she is in complete control of him now. And uh he has some interesting conversations with his warden. Uh and 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 not just like Andy Dufresne style uh ramblings with his warden. He has some truly genuine like life altering uh, uh, talks with Varix. Yeah, so if we recall from the ending of our last episode, uh, and say Aldrin has is convinced that Mara is trapped in the Dreaming City, uh, and that they've closed the Dreaming City off with her still in it, and that he needs to save her based on the conversation he had with with Illyn. Um, and Illyn was was telling him no aldrin she she's dead like you you need help she's gone uh but aldrin is in in his craziness at this time um he is not only hallucinating hearing her he is now seeing her and she the the image of her that he is seeing is talking to him so to him he's like no ellen she's she's right here she's telling me that she needs me to come, come free her, come free her. And uh, whether it be in a sudden bout of lucidity or part of a larger plan, uh, 
the very next entry shows Aldrin surrendering himself to Cade and Petra and to the prison of elders. And uh, for those that are not aware or maybe didn't play D1, the prison of elders at this time is presided over by an elixir from the house of judgment named Varix, who uh, we next see in the beyond light story. Um, so, but before his time with beyond light and Aramis and whatnot, he was the, the uh, lone warden for the prison of elders where uh, Aldrin was being held along with Fickrel and all of the other Scorn barons. And uh, we get a little peek into the prison, and uh, there are many conversations between Varix and Aldrin. We're not going to go over all of them tonight. I'm just, I just kind of picked one, because I don't want to focus too much, too much on Varix, uh, that shows how Aldrin kind of got under his skin a little bit and did slowly but surely convince Varix that uh, Aldrin maybe knew a little more than Varix did about what the future for the Elixni people might be. So we're going to start with uh, the a chapter called The Spark from the book Most Loyal. And it goes like this. Varix, ever the loyal, did as Petra commanded. Access to the lowest cell block was reserved strictly to the warden and the regent commander. Unfortunately, this meant that every menial operational task was left to him. Meal distribution, waste disposal, between the eight barons and the awoken prince, his new chores left him little time for judgment. Thrice per day he visited the block, and thrice per day he had to manufacture excuses to the local corsair detachment for why the lowest level of the prison was now off-limits. Rumors swirled. It was not unknown that Petra and Cade Six had smuggled some unknown high-value prisoner, a humanoid prisoner no less, a first for the prison of elders if the rumors were true. But Varix assured everyone with the gumption to ask that his judgment of the scorned barons was a sensitive process to be conducted in private. Petra herself did not help extinguish the scuttle. She was less than adept at the art of secrecy, and everyone knew it. She responded to any bold queries with a stern, It's none of your concern, which itself was tantamount to validation that some of the rumors were true. If only she'd found joy in her Techian training. If only she'd learned more from the queen. Each time Varix performed his rounds, he asked himself what loyalty, if any, he owed to the prince. And each time he stopped short when he bore witness to the prince's ramblings. Today was no different. There Aldrin sat, elbows atop knees, staring into, some, into the same dark corner of the cell, face concealed by his long, black hair, seemingly communing with nothing. I see now. Yes, that's good. So good. More listening, more nodding. Then that's what we shall do. And look, sister, he's already here. Aldrin fell into silence, visibly relaxing. 
After a moment, he looked back over his shoulder and through the porthole to meet Varric's eyes. Your grace, Varric burbled. Varric the loyal, Aldrin smirked. Varric the spark. Did you have something to say to me, or are you content to play the spying crow? And there it was again, that fleeting pass of inky darkness that momentarily snuffs the glow of Aldrin's eyes. So Varric said nothing. Whether frozen in terror or simply at a loss for words, he could not say. Aldrin leaned in, placed a finger against his lips, and spoke low. I have a secret for you, Varix. I know you want to hear it. Varix answered with a single drawn-out and ever-so-slight nod. Your Kel lives, Aldrin whispered. He leaned in a little closer and asked the one question Varix had never been able to answer. Do you know where your true loyalties lie, Varix? Aldrin didn't wait for a response. His eyes almost immediately darted over his shoulder toward the shadowy corner that had become his obsession. Of course we can trust him, dear sister. He is the most loyal. And that's the end of that lore card. Holy cow. Did, like, it still always amazes me to see how... I, I don't want to say crazy Aldrin is at this point, but how possessed he is. Like, he... It, it, he the, I, a lot of people hold Crow responsible for Aldrin and 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 all all everything that Aldrin did throughout his life um but I think even at this point Aldrin is is gone like I mean and and I've I've we've mentioned this several times before back in the Black Garden back you know the, him leading into the into the into the fanatic and all that stuff he is truly gone there there's nothing of him anymore no, he is a madman talking to a corner, a dark corner in his cell. Yeah. Like he is. Yeah. There, there's, there's nothing left of the Aldrin. What the Aldrin we knew, let alone the Aldrin the Awoken used to know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and and I, I do like I, I, I do like the question that he poses here, right? Like. Do you know where your true loyalties lie, Varix? Like, it, it, it's almost like trying to feed him. Aldrin is trying to feed Varix just a little bit of doubt. Like, you know, as Varix being a, a fallen or a fallen slash Elikni would, he would, he would, it, it, the, the, the Elikni houses are very steeped in loyalty. Yeah, it's very much um, attacking kind of Varric's sense of duty because he had Varric's, I think, even more so than some other members of the different fallen houses, like still really prides himself on his past and being a part of House Judgment. Because he's he's the last surviving member of, of House yeah, Judgment. Yeah, the last correct? one we know of. Um, but okay. he he very much like feels. Uh, like he still needs to hold the the responsibility 
that house judgment used to hold. Oh, sure. Well, and even 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 in being the last of the house, you you would think that being the last of the house, he would just take up the mantle of Kel. But he doesn't even call himself a Kel. No. Like that's how deep their loyalty is. Like he still believes in the idea of a of a Kel of house judgment. And well, his Kel in this in this case is Mara. Aldrin is telling him like your Kel still lives. He's telling Varix Mara still lives. That's right. That's right, because he swore he swore loyalty to mm-hmm. to Mara after the after the reforce. That's right. So uh, this is a, a brief glimpse, and there's a lot more to it, uh, which we will no doubt go over when we talk about a like history of the Elixni or a, uh, a oh, feature yeah. piece on Varix, perhaps. Um, but regardless, there there's a lot that happens here um, that I'm gonna breeze over a little bit to try and maybe contain us within our normal time constraints we'll we'll see good good luck friend (laughs) Uh, but as this kind of conversation alludes to aldrin is spending over a significant amount of time i I believe it's it's a number of months that aldrin spends uh perhaps longer that he spends in the prison of elders talking to variks and kind of twisting him you know really getting those psychological digs in about like you know who are you really loyal to are you gonna follow petra who has you do all this grunt work and is not the queen and does not you know uphold what the queen was or are you gonna listen to me the the next in the royal line of the awoken who knows all these secrets and uh and he shows along with fickrel uh, or with the help of Fikril, I should say, he shows Varix the revival of dead fallen using dark ether. That's that's got to be a freaky thing to see, like especially since I essentially Uldren is the only one that has has done or seen it to this point, and to show an Elixni, hey, I can bring your people back to life, just just like almost just like the Guardians, right? Like I can make this never ending people for you. You don't have to suffer anymore. That's Oh. So needless to say, throughout these many months of conversation and shows of power and all of this, uh, he convinces Varix that he should not be locked up in here. Um, he and, and the Scorn Barons uh, should be allowed to go free and bring on what is next for the Elixni people and to bring Mara back. Um, and he succeeds. And convincing Varix of this, and uh, ultimately Varix is responsible for the prison break uh, of the prison of elders. And it, it's and that's that was one thing that was never really truly shown during the Forsaken campaign no. was that Varix really had a very big role to play in it. But and and that's why I love doing these these readings too, and I and I highly recommend all of our listeners. Go check out some of these lore books for yourselves. Go read some of these entries. There, there's a lot of story that's happening behind the scenes when you're even when you're just playing through an expansion or or a season. Yeah, and uh, the prison break of the Prison of Elders is where we start the Forsaken expansion. Uh, and this is where this this episode tonight is going to be a little different than many of them we did uh, throughout this, this series of The Awoken, where we have now entered the territory of 
we certainly have readings we're going to do, but so much of the story of the Awoken and the major players in the Awoken is told at this point in the gameplay and in the cutscenes. This this is this is truly to me where Bungie writing has has taken off. Like Forsaken was the we're returning to a storytelling to the player. Uh, so you're going to find rather than us reading things, we're going to be doing a lot of describing of a scene or, um, or an event that took place in game. Uh, so just be prepared for that. There's going to be, there's still going to be plenty of readings that are relevant to stuff going on, but some of the major bits were, were cutscenes or were things you were playing at the time with unfortunately Forsaken no longer being available. We're going to try and at least get the get the spirit across if we can yeah. so i uh, our very first mission of forsaken starts with this prison break as we said uh petra has called in Cade, who has called in us for backup um about like hey the they're the prison of elders is on high alert things are going bad we have a whole lot of vip uh cellmates that Cade and Petra put in in the prison of elders on the bottom floor. How about you come help me deal with them? Essentially, is what what Petra is is asking of Cade. And so we all show up. Uh, we proceed through this battlefield of a prison um, because Varix didn't just let the bottom floor out; he let all the floors out. It's it, there's so many. There's there's Cabal in there. There's Hive in there too, aren't there? Yeah, there's everything. So we're battling our way through. Cade, of course, is doing the same in his very showboaty way. Um, and we get really a great mission where we're going through. Uh, we're, you know, Cade's assisting us by like hacking uh, turrets or, you know, opening up access panels for us. Uh, and eventually we get to a, a point where um, we've contained most of the craziness on the top floors but the bottom floor the the vip cells those are uh are now being registered as there's activity there and uh so cade being cade decides to take the path of maybe not least resistance but uh the quickest route for sure and jumps on to uh, I I don't even know what it was. It's just a piece of debris, a piece of catwalk. Uh, shoots the supporting cables that are still there and just rides it all the way down to the fiery bottom. I mean, that's what I would do as a guardian. Yeah. Like, you got infinite reses. And he does. He, he promptly dies on impact uh, and is revived by Sundance, his ghost, and uh, finds himself in the middle of of this giant ring of just scorn. Um, And up on the catwalk above the scorn are these eight imposing twisted figures of the scorn barons. Uh, Fickrel being one of them, and then the seven others. Uh, And really, really awesome cutscene that... I don't I don't know if there's a better cutscene in the game yet of just like a guardian duking it out with a bunch of enemies. Just pure cinematic. Yeah. 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 I highly, highly recommend looking up 
the Forsaken cut the the very first cutscene of Forsaken, uh, or or the battle cutscene, I guess, between Cade and the Scorn. I I think of it as being one of the best too, because the um, at the time Bungie had commissioned two statues, um, one of Cade and one of Aldrin, and I I kick myself now for not picking up the Aldrin one. Uh, my wife wanted the Cade one so bad, and the Cade statue is him standing on a piece of debris with a scorn underneath him. Yeah. So that scene has been immortalized in a statue. Like, that's how good this scene is. Like, it's... it's okay, back in your cages! And, like, like Cade versus C6, and they just, like, laugh at him type thing. Like, it, it's so good. And then, like, we see the first usage of Blade Barrage in there. Like, it's it's so good. It's it's just such a good scene. It's this beautifully rendered and and you know animated scene, and uh, we see Cade. You know, he's he's being the hunter. He's being evasive. He's you know dodging and and jumping and using his throwing knives and uh, tries to use a golden gun, but quite doesn't quite get it. Uh, <laughs> Any hunter in PvP knows that feeling. Um, oh man, go to pop it, you just catch a sniper <laughs> right in the face. You're like, damn it. But uh, so he's he's doing well though. He's clearing, you know, he's clearing these guys out. Because that's the other thing to note too is there's tons of scorn down here now. Oh yes, like this thing is. He's fighting like hundreds of scorn. Yeah. So he's. Uh, you know, he finally gets himself a little bit of breathing room and he's he's beat up at this point. You know, he's got I guess for those that don't know, Cade was an exo, which is incredible for me to say, but there may be some people that do not know this. Uh that's true. That is true. But yeah, he was an exo, so like part of his jaw is kind of hanging loose. He's got some wiring poking out and there's some sparks happening. One of his eyes is is a little like uh droopy um and he he pops sundance out and he's like hey buddy i I need a little bit of healing here and we see for the first time on screen the the scorn throughout this entire scene the scorn baron has been climbing around and has climbed up into the rafters and has kind of kind of been watching through the barrel their gun and they see that they see Sundance pop out, and they see that ghost and that emission of light, and they line it up, and they pull the trigger, and Sundance explodes into nothing but powder and ghost shell. And we we feel that because at this same time we're racing down to the bottom, and 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 that burst that explosion of light hits us, the guardian, and our ghost pops out, and he's like what the hell was that? Like it's, it shakes the guardian and their ghost. Like it's, it's, Oh yeah. It, it, our, our guardian has been fighting their way down the long way, uh, this entire time. And yeah, you get to the point where you're just like a doorway or two away and you, you see in game playing through the mission, you see that wave of light hit you and both, both your guardian, your ghost are like, Oh no, something awful just happened. And it goes back to the cutscene, and Cade is still beat to hell. He didn't get healed. He is now lightless. He is now ghostless. It's just him and his trusty hand cannon ace of spades. And he kind of resigns himself to like, this is it. 
This is it. I'm I'm coming home, Ace, is what he says. Uh and he uh gets takes a, a sensor to the face, the one of the like fiery maces of the, the scorn, um, gets driven through a wall, and he's you know, coughing and sputtering and, and is can can barely sit up. And who strolls into the room but Aldrin Sov. And Aldrin picks Ace of Spades up from the ground and walks over to Cade and uh, is is kind of foot on his chest, barrel pointed down. Um, and there's a little more dialogue to it, but it essentially equated to any last words coming from Aldrin and Cade in the way he does says, how's your sister? Such, such a, such a good, like <laughs> if I had any last words, like, and it's like a fuck you to the guy who's about to kill me. Like, how's your sister? <laughs> She's, <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. If you've if you've never had if if you are a new light and you never did get a chance to play through the Forsaken stuff, I highly highly recommend go Google those Google those those videos. They're probably on the Bungie web on on the Bungie YouTube. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, they they those in-game cinematics were amazing. They 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 are still what like keeps me like super engaged with the lore of Destiny. Yeah. And uh, you, as we, it goes kind of back to our guardian, um, be, you know, fighting their way through these scorn waves, and that we we can we have Cade on our our radar. You know, our ghost knows he's just on the other side of the story. He's just on the other side, and we push through and we beat the boss of the mission, and we get to the door, and you hear that gunshot, and the door opens, and Aldrin flanked by. The scorn barons is already fleeing the scene. He's at the exit, holding Ace of Spades. And there is Cade, sputtering his last breaths on the ground in front of us. Uh, and our, our guardian, you know, stops to, to see, can they do something? Can their ghost do something? Can you... Anything. And, and they can't. And... Uh, Cade's last words are tell the vanguard they were the best bet I ever lost. And the hunter vanguard is silent. Oh, oh. okay. I'm not going to cry. I promise. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, and that, but that leads us on this huge hunt through the entire tangled shore through i i want to say we we go to mars we go to we go to the edz we go all over the system hunting down these different barons like there's the riflemen there's the the mind bender like a, a baron a, a scorn that has his own ascendant plane like he that just blows my mind um the the bomber the the madman like all these different barons we hunt them all down and we end them which while but while we're doing this Ultron is he still has a mission that he's doing like he's still doing something yeah so our guardian is on on a revenge mission for forsaken is a revenge mission to to get 100%. vengeance for Cade's death uh and um Aldrin has his own mission and that that is what it has always been 
since the death of Mara, essentially, and that is to free her, to free this vision yep. of Mara that's come to him. And so he's following her instructions to do that. Uh, and the very first thing he does after being released from prison, now that he has this scorn army and the loyalty of those scorn that refer to him as father, uh, is he takes a trip back home. But it doesn't quite go how you might think. So uh, this is a lore card we're going to read. Um, this is the lore card King's Wrath from the Awoken of the Reef lore book. And it goes like this. Dina twists the emergency transponder until the circuit closes. And for the second time in her life, she feels the crackle of the beacon as it burns itself out blasting its life into a single radio howl. It means that the queen's throne room is about to fall. Done, she tells her second. Let's not count on reinforcements. Not our reinforcements, at least. Pods are still coming in from the prison, crashing all over the Vestian outpost. The throne isn't a tactical target. Do you think they'll bypass us? Not a chance, Dina says grimly. Not the littlest chance. The Queen's Guard has, technically, never been defeated in battle. Pride dismisses the House of Wolves' backstab as an act of treachery, not military might. But once more, the fallen are loose in the reef. And if there is no treachery involved, Dina will eat dirt and call it hummus. This reminds her too much of that awful day. So when the voice comes through the door, she calls, Hold! Hold! Paladin Dina, the Prince of the Awoken, calls. You know, that's my throne you're guarding, don't you? May I come in? You're not alone, she shouts back. I have my retinue with me. A few of Dina's people lower their weapons. Weapons up, she snaps. We can't trust him to... Royal overrides slither through the throne room's networks. The doors open and a dazzling barrage of flashbangs plays the royal welcome. Dina stares straight into it, weapon aimed, eyes open, trusting her helmet to buffer her sight and waiting for the first blue flash of fallen weapons. Prince Aldrin saunters in like the bell of the ball his cocked revolver aimed at the ceiling. At ease, he says, with a little swish of his cloak, and everyone, Dina included, responds. Just a moment's weakness, just the subtlest flicker of deference, because he is the prince, and it feels so right to have royalty in this room again. Fingers off triggers, weapons skewed a few degrees off target. The impulse is so strong because it jives with Dina's discipline, which has already stepped in to crush the immediate instinct to blow Aldrin away. Something's wrong. Something's off. Baseline humans can react to a visual stimulus in less than 200 milliseconds, awoken less than 100. But there's a phenomenon Dina and every other royal guard knows well. A trick of the mind called attentional blink. You're waiting for something to appear. A hostile, a gunshot, a loud noise. 
When it does appear, your attention blinks. You cannot detect a second event if it comes just after the first. So it is with the blue flash of arc rifle fire behind Aldrin's cloak. It could go differently still, but there's no one in this room who can easily sight in and fire on their prince. And he has no such reciprocal inhibition. And that's the end of that lore card. It's interesting the name of this lore card. It's called King's Wrath. And I always thought of it as like Queen's Wrath, right? Like the like what Shirido was and, and what I was Petra ever Queen's Wrath? Yeah. I remember she Yeah, Petra assumed okay, the yeah. role of Queen's Wrath. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh which is like the the personal body card to the second in said command. person. So, yeah. Yeah. This is King's Wrath in the sense of I am raining down hellfire. I am a wrathful person mm-hmm. committing an act of like like wrath is feeding me. Like one of the seven sins is feeding me type thing. Cuz the 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 very last thing there's there but there's no one in this room who can easily sight in and fire on their prince and he has no such reciprocal inhibition. He he they won't fire on him because he, he, just him saying at ease. It's like it's it's so that that's such a military thing happening there. Like him just saying at ease and all of them just instantly going to at rest, you know, like at ease, like like fingers off triggers, guns are down. That split second and 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 obviously they describe it here and then the gunfire starts and nobody no everyone everyone in that room is is such a trained person that they that they they can't even bring they they don't even realize what's happening to the point to to reacquire targets and refire and and start firing that they essentially just get mowed down by the by the by the um the the scorn barons behind Ultron. So that's that's just but and, and he doesn't care. He's like No, that's what he's I, there for. He, this that's literally what he's here there for. And then I think I think as far as like as far as scenes go, like he burns that that thing to the ground. Yeah. So um immediately after this lore card, or immediately after the events described in this lore card, would uh be a cutscene that happens in Forsaken, um, which is Aldrin sitting on the throne in the reef that Mara once sat on. Um, and if I recall correctly, you can see bodies of awoken guards littering the floor around that throne. So none of these guards survived. Uh, and yeah, this was a massacre. The vision of Mara is kind of floating around him as he's sitting in this throne, like appearing on one side free and then appearing me, on another. Um, kind of like inching, you know, edging him on, like burn it all, be done with it. You know, they they didn't come to help me. You're all alone in this. You don't need them anymore. Kind of kind of thing, and uh, and so he does. He sets the throne room ablaze, and presumably whatever it's attached to, uh, sure. within the reef, and leaves his old home in ashes. That's just it. it 
it it like that that cutscene was so interesting to me too. Like when you first play it through, you're like, is this really Mara? Like, is this surely this like right? Like, like the whole time you're you're doubting your own senses through these cutscenes of like, what the hell is happening? What is going on here? What is this? What is happening? And I think that's important to point out, um, us as the player at the release of Forsaken, we didn't have access to all of the lore that has been describing what Aldrin was going through to get to this point. Um, yeah. All of that came out with Forsaken. So us experiencing it for the first time, we were like, the players were, were kind of thrown for a loop as to like, is that? Mara that doesn't seem like what Mara would be doing like what why this this doesn't make sense almost throwing us into this this you know mindset of like what's going on something's something's not right here making you uneasy about the situation which a lot of the characters were also feeling uh the the same oh, way yeah. which it, it was a really cool effect to then go back afterward, you know, fill in the blanks afterwards with the lore cards and be like, oh, this is this is all the stuff that was happening. And that's that's the only part that makes me sad to see parts of the game no longer there. Like that yeah. like, but but being able to go back and, and, and that's that's why I love that there are I I'll call them archives. Yeah, sure. Uh of of these videos on YouTube of to so you can watch these cutscenes and go, Oh shit, this is what was happening. This is and then like I, like I said, and, and I, I always suggest it, read through these cards and watch these cutscenes and they have such a different meaning to you. Like there's there's so much more happening in these cutscenes than than you can realize. So that brings us to kind of the next major scene, um next major cutscene within Forsaken. Uh, which takes place at the Shard of the Traveler. Now, the the Shard of the Traveler for players at this point uh, was important because that was where we regained our light during the Red War um, through the light that was still housed in this this piece of the Traveler that had fallen off. Uh, for players more recent, um, you may know this as the place where uh, Hawkmoon was acquired uh and say i get i that mission isn't around anymore i guess so i was gonna say that mission's not in there anymore either holy cow for those that are super recent um it was a place beyond light recent (laughs) yeah Uh, Yeah. i I think i think witch queen recent but still um so I say, but the, there was this piece of the this piece of the traveler that had fallen off at some point, and it was kind of in this quagmire, swampy area. And uh, we see Aldrin, who is, um, just kind of strolling through this swamp. Uh, there's Elixni, there's Fallen, on the outskirts, but all of them are giving him a very wide berth. Even they know. Like oh yeah, we we shouldn't be messing with him. I uh, well, and he's he's still got that black mist coming off of his eyes too, and you can see it really well in this cutscene. It's, like it's, it's swirling freaky. around his eyes, uh, and and kind of affecting some of the blue of his skin on his face. Yep, um, just really looks not right, and. Uh, 
he, you know, his vision of Mara is directing him to the shard and, and is telling him like, we need a piece of it. We, we need, we need a piece of, of the light that is in this shard. And, uh, so in, in like a manic scream, he's yelling as he's just emptying the chamber of, uh, of Ace of Spades, which he's still carrying and using into the shard of the traveler using the bullets to carve a piece out of it and uh he he you know pulls this piece out and is kind of like folds into himself a little bit he's like he's like hugging it like this is the last thing he needs this is this is the final piece to to free mara to see his sister and there's there's this like weird weird relief but it's it's like his body isn't working how it normally would it's like his muscles aren't quite listening to him kind of thing uh he has this very like alien look to him um oh yeah in his movements but that's this is it this is the piece he needs and uh and you know our our guardian is doing stuff amongst this, mostly hunting down barons and finding clues. I was going to say we're uh, we're fighting so many barons at this point. <laughs> like, there there's eight of them, and we've I think what we because because this whole time like before before we start going through everything, we meet with Petra and the spider. Which wow, spider's not in the game either. Nope. Uh, we meet with them in Spider's Den because Spider's basically run like ever since the fall of the of the Awoken, the spider's been kind of running the reef, and he's he's basically like a black black market smuggler dealer um and so he's like yeah i need you to take care of these barons because it's just a mutual problem for both of us and so we're doing that and i i i i i truly think that was like kind of the goal here right like at, at least from Uldren's side free these barons get them running amok again keep the keep vip 2014 which is us the guardian occupied with this while I go do my the real mission, yeah, and and that's what we're seeing here in, in that in that cutscene of him of him getting the shard of the travelers. That's that's his real mission there. He's still trying to free his sister. Free me, free me. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I think that's yeah. that's absolutely what was happening. You know, Aldrin was a master of the spy network, a um, very skillful. Uh, you know, skillful in subversion, uh, and in military tactic. And although he may be a little Absolutely. crazy at the moment, that's not to say that he isn't still utilizing some of those skills to give the guardian a wide array of distractions and smokescreen to allow him to do what he wants to do. Um, yep. So I, I think that's definitely what what's happening there, and. You know, our guardian and and is working with Petra, Petra, who is also seeking vengeance against Aldrin, not just for the death of Cade, because Cade was a close friend of hers, but also um, for the like, just the atrocities that he did to the Awoken people uh, prior to him being captured or, or, you know, giving himself up as well as, you know, she sees him as, as he's a he's a madman that needs to be stopped. Uh, yep. And so we, we continue with the forsaken story and it, it ends us at this place called the watchtower. And 
the watchtower is the entrance to the dreaming city from the tangled shore. Uh, and we have tracked Aldrin to this watchtower and uh, our guardian is, is making their way up it, fighting through um, Fickrel and, you know, various scorn body, you know, bodyguards and such. And we're fighting our way up this tower. And as we're going, it's constantly shifting between our plane and the ascendant plane and our plane and the ascendant plane. And as we're going, we're hearing finally what Aldrin is hearing. I believe, I believe when we shift into the ascendant plane, we can actually hear this vision of Mara talking to him. Oh yeah, we definitely can. And, I, and isn't Toll in there too, like helping guide us? Presumably any of the little like black dots that you get close to and then they zoom off somewhere else and then you get like guiding you in that way are supposedly toland in general um so yeah he he may be guiding us in some way he definitely is once you get to the dreaming city um yep but so we're we're fighting our way up and we're hearing her now every now and then as as the tower shifts we're hearing her like telling at him free me free me combine the light and the dark it's the key to open the watchtower it's the key to get back into the dreaming city. And uh he is struggling a little bit. He's like fighting against it at this point. Um even Aldrin is is finally like starting to realize this this doesn't feel right. Mara wouldn't want me to to open the the gates to the dreaming city. Like that that was our that was our place. That was the Awoken's place. This doesn't feel right. And so he's kind of going back and forth and he's, he's almost fighting himself in doing it. And as we get to the top, he, he's finally uh, overtaken by the, the commands of this vision of Mara. And, and he does it. He, he takes the light. He like sucks the light from the shard of the traveler into himself. And uh, the, the light from the shard and the dark energy that was swirling in him kind of like mix and combine and uh, stream out of him into the door of the watchtower, uh, making that, that combination of light and dark that symbolizes the Awoken. And he unlocks that door to the Dreaming City. Uh, and the we see now the darkness is completely drained from his eyes. Those swirls are no longer there. That power has served its purpose. And, and he sees his vision of Mara above him, kind of like hands outstretched. Uh, and he reaches up to her, you know, thinking himself successful. And then he finally sees this thing for what it really is an avatar of Riven, uh, and all, all tentacles and teeth, <laughs> all tentacles and teeth. Uh, it, it, in ga- the in-game model is essentially like a servitor with just this gaping mouth, uh, round mouth of teeth and, uh, tentacles, uh, that are grabbing him and pulling him in. 
Um, and I think technically it does eat him. <laughs> like it, it swallows I, him. I remember him getting like eaten in that, but like he didn't really get eaten. Right, like, yeah. I think that's, I think that's Riven wish magic doing freaky Riven wish mag- magic thing. Like it's, yeah, but it, it's a freaky thing. Like it, oh, I, I wonder is, is the model still in Gambit? I think they took the meatball out of Gambit. Uh, no i certainly haven't seen it in a while although maybe it's just i they might luck. have um they might have so for those of you that don't know the the model that was used for this which uh, do you remember the exact name of of the of the of the creature that that eats him uh it was something of of the thousand voices um and riven because it was it wasn't riven himself no. it, it was like i think it was voice vision of, riven of riven or, or vision of riven. voice of riven yeah maybe that's what it was voice of riven um yeah voice of riven of a thousand voices um or vision of riven of voice something like that anyway uh but the model that they used there for that was the same model that they used in uh in a quest to get uh, a gun called malfeasance uh from the from the drifter through gambit and everyone affectionately called it the meatball because it was it was it was round like a meatball and then like the front of it kind of looked like like a like a like a the surface of a meatball but it yeah. had like tentacle hands and it, it it was it's a freaky model like it it truly is kind of like the stuff of nightmares and so for Uldren to be like reaching up in like mara's arms kind of like wrap on the inside of his forearms and pulls him up and he pulls and he's like yay i did it and closes his eyes and when he opens his eyes it's just all tentacles and teeth and he's like <laughs> so yeah I can, I can, I can only imagine like what was going through his head with when he's when he sees this at point blank range. Yeah. Uh, so our this this is the point where our guardian comes onto the onto the field and essentially sees Aldrin unlock the door and then get eaten. Um, yep. And we we fight the meatball. We fight the this avatar of Riven uh, and destroy it. And in doing so. Uh, Aldrin is, uh, I don't want to say saved. <laughs> yeah, say, saved is a strong word right. there. He, he's no, he, he's, he's alive and no longer inside of this thing. He, it spits him out essentially as it dies. Um, and so the very last scene of the main Forsaken campaign is Aldrin laying on the ground, uh, you know, kind of, breathing heavy and sputtering his eyes clear for the first time in probably years uh having you know that power having done what it was supposed to do i was fixing to say that darkness that was corrupting him that was all riven like yeah that that whole goal that everything about him going crazy well not going crazy but all of that madness that's been driving him this whole time that black stuff in his eyes that's been riven this whole time and and for it to finally be out of him, it's almost it's almost like he's back to like his, I don't want to say pre garden, um time, but he's definitely back to like a like a maybe maybe like a just free of the of the black garden yeah. state of mind. So and say he's he's lying across the ground, ace with spades has spun out you know out of his grasp, fallen elsewhere. Our guardian has retrieved it, has picked it up, and uh, our guardian and Petra are now approaching him, guns drawn, uh, aiming 
down at Aldrin and uh he he says that most infamous of lines uh you know everything i did i did for her the line between light and dark is so very thin do you know which side you're on and our guardian and petra kind of you know look at each other and and nod and then it fades to black and you just hear the gunshot as Aldrin Sov is killed. Finally, after, after shit, billion, billions, billions. That's, that's just mind blowing. Yeah. So, um, with the death of Aldrin and the opening of the watchtower, uh, our guardian through a quest line now has access to the dreaming city which was, you know, until this point, only the Awoken ever ever knew about and ever went there. Um, and in doing so, uh, we have some, we actually have some additional kind of campaign uh, epilogue type missions. Um, Is it the, the, three, the three weekly missions? Well, we have uh, an intro mission and then the weekly missions. Um, right. But essentially, the intro mission is Petra uh, has now entered the Dreaming City. You know, Aldrin's Aldrin's opened it, and this thing came out of it. And Petra's now saying, like, we got to get in there and figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah. Is this the first time that Petra's been back to the Awoken City since? Uh, no, she she had to have been coming and going since... Well, I guess this would be the first time she'd been there since Aldrin was captured. I think since the Taken War. I, I think it's been locked since the Taken War. Oh, because maybe Mar- like Mara might have locked it, or like Ill- Illin and and the and oh, the scene from that we said last week where the the three Techians like spoke the word of stasis and Riven clamped shut on them. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think you're right. I think it has been sealed since the Taken War. So this is literally like the first time anyone set foot on it in like four years. Right. So, um, Holy cow. Petra is now, you know, into the dreaming city. Um, she's seeing it overrun with, uh, taken and, um, eventually, you know, scorn and whatnot, but primarily taken at this point. Um, and she's like, this is, this is not right, but I might have a way to contact Mara in the dreaming city because Petra is still very much like she has got to be alive. She promised me she would be alive. She is definitely going to answer me when I, when I reach out in this way. And that way is the Oracle engine that we had talked about two, three episodes ago, something like that. Um, The Oracle engine still blows my mind. Like (laughs) that thing is a powerful thing. Yeah. The, the legacy of Kelda Waj, uh, the greatest Techian that there ever was. Uh, the the All-Mother, right? Yep, the All-Mother. Um, the Oracle Engine still stands untouched, untainted, and we help Petra in the intro mission get the materials she needs to power it for a short time. And in doing so, she gets a message out to Mara, and Mara responds. And confirms finally that 
yes, she is still out there. She is still alive. Uh, she is doing, doing things that only she can do, presumably, uh, elsewhere, but that, uh, she's aware that Petra is in need of some direction and that she is, you know, she will offer it via the Oracle engine. I, I still think that Mara is, she's, she's, I, I think Mara has attained godhood at, at this point in time. Like her whole stint of her going through the ascendant plane and coming back out the other side, back through her her own throne world, back into the dreaming city. I I I truly think that she 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 whatever whatever she did there caused her to become a god. I think she is a god. I think we could argue there are many levels of godhood. Oryx this is true. was called a god. Savathun this is, this is true. was called a god. This is also true. Oryx was strong in the conventional sense. Savathun, less so. Uh, so Strong in the mental sense, we, maybe. We could say that Mara is a god, but I think it's important to make a distinction. Being a god in the Destiny universe does not mean you're immortal or omniscient or omnipotent. <laughs> This is this is so true. How many, we are literally called God Slayers. Like, yeah. it's, it, you're not wrong. It ain't anything to us except another notch on the stock. Another title. <laughs> um, okay, but so Mara has reached out to to Petra. She's confirmed. I'm here. She's confirmed. We, you know, the the Dreaming City is under attack from the Taken. We, you know, these are the steps we need to take. Because, because Petra issues a command to the guardians, or I, I don't remember if it's a, if it's an actual command or what it is. But Petra, it is, Petra yeah. issues an an order to the to the guardians saying, "Hey, come to the come to the heart of the Dreaming City, find Riven, kill her. She's been taken." Get because that's right because that's the opening line to the last wish. Yeah, yep. when you enter last wish, last wish, uh, which oddly enough for anyone of for anyone that's listening to this on Tuesday reset, this is this week's featured raid is the last wish in Shattered Throne. So maybe maybe th- play through last wish this week and si- see some little story there. Uh, but she calls out to the guardian and says, "Riven is taken. We need to get in there. We need to find her." rip out her heart, save the Techians. And while we're in there, we find the Techians that are in there. And we're like, okay, we find, we, we've already been through the corrupted. That was the, that was the strike. So we have one, one of the three main Techians. Yep, Sadia. Yep. And, and, and then the, the other two are the first two bosses of the raid, which is Kali and, and. Shirochi. And... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had to, I had to pause for a second to, to say it again. Um, so yeah, so like that's the whole thing of of the last wish. Is she issues this command, but then on the end of it, like once you get to the end and you 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 face Riven, big ass fucking wish dragon, cool fucking fight. Mm-hmm. I to this day have never done it legit, and I and I want to do it legit so bad because I I truly think mechanically and and storytelling wise that the the last wish is my personal favorite raid. I I'll, I'll run it every week. But yeah, like we finally get to the end, we kill Riven, we rip out her heart, we bring it back to the Techians, they cleanse it. But then after we cleanse it, Riven talks to us. 
Well, technically, Riven's been talking to us the whole raid. Uh, That's true. So, yeah, so uh, Petra has, has tasked us with, you know, come save the Techians. And I she, I think, just says kill Riven. And while mm-hmm. we're in the raid, Riven is is kind of goading us. It's kind of like, you know. Oh, oh absolutely. I, she starts off with like, I can make whatever you want come true. I can make your grandest wishes the All reality. All you need is wish it. And, uh, and then when that doesn't work, she she starts to to kind of go to set like you know oh you think you can defeat me you think you can take me on you know i and then when we get to her and we defeat her and we have her heart in our hands running it back to the techians that we have freed so that they can cleanse it of its taken corruption she speaks to us one last time I, uh, which was, and I, I failed to have the line in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, uh, you know, you've, you've finally done it. You've defeated me and allowed me to grant one last wish. Uh, how I want to see you when you realize what she wished for something along those lines. It's, it's such an ambiguous wording, right? Like it's, like what she wished for. Who's the she? Like that's the what? What was the wish? Mm-hmm. Was the wit like, or or did Savathun make a wish, or did or did Riven make a wish, or did Mara make a? Who the fuck is she? And who did, who did? Blah. So one way or another, Riven grants one last wish, and we don't know whose it is. To this day, we don't know whose it is. We can speculate, um, but what? us the guardians have done by killing her which is apparently the the activator for this wish coming true is we have released a curse upon the dreaming city that it will become more and more taken as time goes on in a three-week cycle only for us to battle our way uh, to the heart of that corruption on the third week, which is Duel in Karu, uh, I believe the daughter of Savathun. Um, yep. At the heart of the Shattered Throne, which was you know Mara's old throne world, which Oryx desecrated. And that 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 in game and and that in game area was on a three week thing. Like you couldn't access the Shattered Throne until it was like the most corrupted week mm-hmm. like it, you had to go through the actual three week cycle to even get to the dungeon to try to get to dueling cars this, this this curse is powerful yeah and you finally defeat dueling karu on that third week and uh the first time everyone thought okay that was it we succeeded and then when next reset happened it went back to how it was immediately after Riven had been defeated. And we as players, as well as the characters in-game, like Petra Venge and some of the Corsairs, uh, they know that things have reset. It's not like their memories yep. haven't been reset. The, it, it's Groundhog Day. Like the, Everything yep. in the Dreaming City 
is now reliving the next three weeks over and over and over and it's never ending to this day it's still going in game i was going to say this has been going for if this, so this started what basically the the week or two after forsaken uh launch so we're talking like this has been going for four or five years now mm-hmm. like this is this is this is ridiculous and as this curse is happening as this weekly cycle is happening we the player are granted a few opportunities to talk directly with mara via the oracle engine um there are once every three weeks the oracle engine will reveal a portal into mara's makeshift throne room uh which we can enter and speak with her for a time eventually she did leave and she never returned to that throne room um i think it was six weeks that we got or six rotations that we got of of her being there i think so is it six or nine those are the two that are playing in my head right now and uh honestly not a whole lot of info in those meetings there's a lot there's there's some breadcrumbs of things like she was having a discussion with the emissary of the nine Uh, discussion that's a super (laughs) friendly way to put that she straight up yelled at her get the fuck out of my throne room like (laughs) she was pissed uh there were times where our ghost was yelling at mara it was saying like you're yep. a, you're an awful leader you're a terrible ruler why would you allow for this to happen to your people where have you been um essentially all the things that we kind of wanted to ask her and we as players and our guardian in game we hadn't seen mara since forsaken or excuse me since taken war like years had gone by like like I don't know that we are like we the player. Oh, I see what you're saying. We the player hadn't seen her since the Taken yeah. War, but we the Guardian hadn't seen her since like the launch of Destiny. Well, House of Wolves, but yeah. Oh, okay, I'll give you that one. Yeah, we did go visit her a couple times. House of Wolves. Yeah, she has been MIA for quite some time. Um, and uh, and so like there's there's little matches, and she throws it right back at the ghost. She's like, you don't under, you can't comprehend the things I am doing to keep you safe right now. Uh, yeah. Like, don't lecture me about protecting people when my whole life has been dedicated to protecting you and everybody else. Uh, yep. Like, she, she lets them have it. You do not speak to the queen of the awoken this way. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah. You do not. There's also another very important scene that is shown in that oh throne room but before we get oh, to such it a good scene. there's a couple of lore cards i want to read that happened prior to that scene that um just kind of set the stage for a character that we haven't talked about in a little bit that i want to bring back into the the limelight for a moment and that's julian till oh he's he's my he's like my He's like my spirit animal. So, Julian, for those that may not remember, I was essentially Aldrin's best friend before entering the Black Garden and and him starting to go a little crazy. Uh, Aldrin, and that is. Uh, so Julian has still, you know, remained a, a very 
loyal part of the Awoken military has survived the Taken War. Um, and with the death of Aldrin, uh, we see Julian and have some interactions uh, regarding Aldrin after his, his demise. Uh, the first of which we're going to read is from the Supremacy Weapon, uh, which is from the Last Wish Raid. And it goes like this. Here's the thing, he says. No. Petra's trying to hide the hurt in her expression. Watching her is exhausting. So Julian keeps his eye pressed to his sniper scope. I thought you'd want to see it. Why? He's dead. He died a long time before you shot him. Or you didn't, Julian says, as if Petra flinched. You helped a guardian do it. Julian, Petra starts. He holds up a hand. I'm not interested in your secrets. And then, quieter. Please, Petra. Silence falls over them as they lie side by side in a sniper's nest overlooking Rhea Silvia. Both belly down in the sand, clutching well-worn supremacy rifles beneath their armpits. Petra takes a shot. A taken hive night seethes into nothingness. Finally, she gets up to go. Julian rolls onto his side, pushes himself half up, half up, and calls after her. I still dream about the garden. She looks back. I've dreamed about it, too, she says carefully. Not like I have. Julian licks his lips, trying to figure out if he has anything else to say. He finally decides that he doesn't, so he rolls back onto his belly to settle his cheek against the supremacy once more. That's all. I just wanted someone else to know. And that's the end of that lore card. It's it's like he's it's like he's acknowledging his PTSD at this point. A little bit. Yeah. Like we we talked we talked about it a lot. Like he he always like when when Aldrin first came to him, it was like, oh my god, we got to talk about this. I've been recording my dreams. Da, da, da. And he's like, no 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 no, nobody needs to know what we saw in there. Like he was Julian was very much full on PTSD, and it, like yeah, he just it's this this is why i see him as my spirit animal because me have have been in the military been on deployment a couple times like it's 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 a hard thing to to talk about and and to and to and to live with it and the, the once you can get to the point where you can acknowledge okay these were events that happened that's like the start of the healing right like that's and so to me this is like seeing like for Julian to 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 mention to Petra like hey i i still dream about it like i but but to be able to live a normal life and still dream about it be like hey i need i i just need somebody to know that that i i'm i am still thinking about this and and this is still a thing like it's 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 really touching to me it really is yeah and and i i love that the very first time we ever heard of Julian he was firing he was using these supremacies i mean all the way back at the beginning of the what was it the the 
shoot, was that all the way in Marasena, or was that was, or was that Fallen Prince? Uh, that was the first couple entries of the Forsaken Prince. Yeah. Oh my God! Like he's supreme. He's just a sniper. He's just a he's just a damn good sniper. And uh, to see it like come full circle to be on the supremacy itself be a story about like who else would mm-hmm. who else would be on the lore card of supremacy right other than julian like so and and through his interaction here um you know he's telling petra like i don't i don't want to see aldrin's body i don't want to i want to see him i don't want to say goodbye he's been gone a long time as far as i'm concerned is, is essentially what he's saying he's very um i want to say he's 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 closing himself off to even thinking about aldrin uh, yeah, and and Petra is you know is, is maybe feels like that's not the right thing for him. Feels like he needs to acknowledge that in some way, but understands that she's not winning this argument. Uh, yeah. And what uh, what I really like is another lore entry that actually came to us quite a bit later in game, um, in season of the arrivals. Which is on the Holdfast Bond, uh, which is an armor piece. That we finally see a scene of Julian uh, coming to terms with Aldrin being gone and what, what that actually means for him. Uh, so I'm going to read that lore card. Again, that's the Holdfast Bond. And it goes like this. I used to hate his stupid pranks. Like this one time, back when we were still in combat academy together, he tried to dye my dark green uniform bright yellow, which was obviously never going to work. Julian swirls the ice cubes around in his glass, listening to their soft clinking. I put it on in the morning without noticing and wore the damn thing through a whole 22-hour rotation. By the end of the day, it had stained my skin, turned my whole body from blue to bright green. Maybe that was his plan all along, Julian says and chuckles. For a moment, the bartender can see the happy-go-lucky guy that might once have been. But that was typical, Aldrin. I try something outrageous, only to fail more successfully than he ever intended. And just as quickly as it came... The grin fades, and he's just another traumatized soldier once again. He was never a bad person. Not until the end, anyway. He used to be funny, in a kind of irritating, charming way. Like he knew that whatever it was, he was going to get away with it. And he usually did. Right up until the Black Garden. That was the day he pushed his luck too far. And I helped him do it. I helped turn my best friend into a monster. Julian taps the rim of his glass, and the bartender pours another. Yeah, I used to hate his stupid pranks and his arrogance. But now that he's gone, that's the stuff I miss the most. And that's the end of that lore card. I, 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 God damn it. 
I've, I've, I'm borderline going to cry right now. Like this is, I hadn't, I hadn't read that bond before and this is still, and you still have a, another surprise for me <laughs> yes, too. I do. Like I, this is ridiculous. I can't, damn it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Continue. So speaking of how people handle this, this loss, in the Awoken community. Because despite what our Guardian and, and our player saw of Aldrin, I think it's clear through the stories we've talked about in this series um, that he was a lot more than that to the Awoken, to uh, the people that saw him as a hero, that saw him as a prince. Uh, and although she didn't say it or show it much to his sister... And uh, there's a, a really cool piece of dialogue that never made it in-game, but that Bungie decided to publish in the uh, fourth volume of the Grimoire Anthology that talks about Mara uh, reacting to the death of Aldrin. Um, we we get a little bit of that in game. It's mostly a scene of her just saying that she knew it happened, um, and she doesn't really like give us any any kind of uh, emotional response for the most part. But the scene that they wrote, I, I wish had ended up in game, and it didn't. Um, it's written as a, a screenplay, so it's going to read a little differently, but I. I think it's it's important to share, and and I'm excited because I've never Myth has been t- tantalizing me with this since like because because I I still don't have my my grimoire four yet. Myth has his and has been holding this <laughs> over me for this specific moment because he wants to he wants my live reaction to this, and I'm scared because I was I already. I was ready for this, kind of, but then he read the Holdfast Bond, and now I'm not ready for this. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Uh, this is a, a narrative scene, again, that never made it in-game, so I'm not sure where it was intended to be. Um, it could have just been a vision. It could have it been anywhere uh, as far as where they wanted it to be. So I'm just going to read it as written. You can decide where it, where it would have been or how it would have played out. Uh, but it goes like this. Exterior shores of the dreaming city at dawn. Silver waves toss the guardian onto a spit of wet sand. They lay there, half-drowned, ghost clutched in their fist. Nearby, an ancient, salt-crusted hive warship hangs suspended inexplicably in the air, blasted into dozens of plasma-charred pieces. The shoreline wraps around a rocky coast. An elegant amethyst tower juts defiantly from the cliffside, a feat of gravity-defying engineering. Eddies of mist obscure the horizon, but the alien sky of this place is undeniable. Above, foreign moons orbit the accretion disk of a black hole. Where are we? The Guardian stands, allowing ghosts to float out of their hand. They give their gun a quick once-over. Marasov, 
Hundreds of my subjects have died for this plan. The guardian snaps to attention, readying their gun. Just up the beach, partially obscured by mist, Marasov sits, hunched, kneeling in the sand. Subjects. <laughs> my friends. My family. Drawing closer, we see Mara is cradling Aldrin's body in her lap. A mirror of the guardian cradling Cade's body. In death, Aldrin looks frail. Mara blazes with bitter grief. She loved her brother. She loved her people, too. Marasov, hundreds of the Awoken are dead because of me. Hundreds gone forever, or resurrected as a war drone for your traveler. And you don't even realize that we've done it all to help save humanity. She beats the sand. You think we're enemies. Mara glares up at the Guardian, unflinching. She's faced far worse than this since we last saw her. She's conquered death. So has the Guardian. Still, they lower their gun. The Guardian speaks. I saw something that looked like you. Some kind of illusion. Mara softens as she looks down at Aldrin. Marasov. I know. She strokes Aldrin's hair absentmindedly and continues. This. This was not part of the plan. She forgets her audience for a moment. It's my fault he went into the Guardian. My fault he killed your friend. Ghost speaks with compassion. That's not true. Mara looks up. She shifts Aldrin to the sand, tenderly, then rises, composed and imperious, again the queen of the Awoken. She speaks. I will set this right. She steps closer to the guardian, chin tipped upward. And you, the chosen dead, will help me. The guardian glances at Ghost and nods. None of them notice the shadowy apparition of Cade Six watching from the clifftops. Final notes. The player will learn about the monster that lured them into the Dreaming City and drove Aldrin to madness. End scene. What the fuck was that? That was footage from the editing room floor. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of this. The apparition of Cade's sick. Like, what the fuck is that? I think the intention was that we were going to be haunted by, like, that when Riven didn't uh... succeed with Aldrin, she was going to start haunting us with Cade. Yeah, with Cade. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm seeing that. Okay. That would make sense. Okay. When I read it originally, I was thinking that this was a peek at what the story could have been. Um, that, like, 
we were going to, you know, Aldrin driven to madness by Riven. Uh, we ultimately killed him or perhaps he died in some other way. Uh, and then Riven was going to start targeting us and like us entering the dreaming city for the first time would be Riven manipulating us just to pick up where Aldrin left off. Um, sure. I could see that, but hard to say they don't give us any information about where it would have been in the game if they had included it. Uh, clearly they couldn't have included it as is with the mentions of Cade and whatnot, but I really would have loved to see some of that dialogue from Mara, maybe in her throne room instead of the dialogue we got regarding the death of death of Aldrin. I, I just feel like up until um, or, or I said up and through Forsaken, they did a really good job of making Mara be that aloof, secretive queen. Oh, but God, yes. I would have loved a moment like this to show the humanity underneath it. Yeah. Because we didn't really, we, we haven't yeah. really gotten that. Um, they've tried she's, a little she's, bit. She always has been like this. Like like what you said, this aloof, this this royal, this like Riven can't feed off of her because she's so sure of what her plans are going to be, and when they come, she's like, "See, I told you that was going to happen." Like, but we never see that like si- that humanity side of her. Yeah. So they they've tried a little bit in Witch Queen in particular, and I guess kind of Season of the Lost. Although I have some big gripes with how she was portrayed in the Season of the Lost. <laughs> But so to to get us back on track, um, yeah, that scene would have been post the death of Aldrin, and I wanted to include yep. it because I feel like it it really humanizes Mara in a way that hasn't happened in game uh, at this point in and, the the story. And, and he just wanted to fuck with me. That too. <laughs> Although, come on, that was a good one, right? That was worth waiting for. That was good. That was really good. I I I tell you what, though, Holdfast Bond got me emotionally. <laughs> right in the emotional dick i was not ready for that one at all like well you're welcome i guess <laughs> I, I guess i don't know i think thank you i guess i don't i don't i don't know what to do with this bit of information <laughs> but so uh the so that was a scene that didn't play in the game a scene that did play in the game in mars throne room which was incredibly oh God, important is uh we we approach her throne room and she's not there and we're like okay what's what's going on and so we go to uh the war table that's in her throne room we uh find that there's an a inspect button where there hasn't been before we inspect it and we get a cut scene and the cut scene is high above Rhea Sylvia in the dreaming city and it's of this little ghost this little pink purplish ghost who's flying around Rhea Sylvia now that you know the the dreaming city has been opened where else is a ghost gonna look for their potential guardian apparently I mean some of them donned uh some chitin some hive chitin and waited even longer i mean yes this is true uh (laughs) but we we have this little ghost that we're following and he's you know kind of zooming through rea sylvia and scan this random bush and scan this random pillar or whatever and he comes across this 
pedestal, this almost altar looking pedestal with a uh, cloth that has been thrown over top in a very ceremonial way, uh, bearing the emblem of the, uh, of the queen, I believe. And uh, the ghost scans over this cloth and then stops and expands and a burst of light comes from this ghost and gasping from under the cloth comes Aldrin Sov reborn as Crow. Boom! That was like the big, like at the time, that was the biggest kick in the face, in the gut, in the <laughs> dick, in the everything to the entire like the Destiny community lost their freaking minds after this scene came to light. They were like, what the hell does this mean? Is he the new Hunter Vanguard? Did he complete the dare? Like, what in the hell is happening? And this like this wasn't even like the first or second transmission. This was like I want to say this was towards the end. This was like like the sixth or seventh transmission yeah. in there. Yeah. That so I mean and we're talking this is on a three week cycle. So we're talking, this is six times three, you know, that, that's a ways out. That's 18 weeks after the beginning of the, after the raid. So, I mean, this, that was a, that, that was a long time to, to, to be kind of hit the face with this, <laughs> with this scene. Like, where the hell is this going? So, yeah, a little, little pulled pork, now Glint. Yep. <laughs> uh, Glint's name was originally pulled pork. Uh, and and it's funny that you mentioned he scanned a bush because in in one of the original entries of of pulled pork he scans a rock and one of the other guardian one of the other ghosts is like what are you doing is your guardian in the in the rock and pulled pork I don't know that's why I check they say check everywhere so I check everywhere maybe he's inside the rock I don't know so yeah yeah but yeah as far as as far as crow though like we're not we're not gonna cover all of crow's story no, in here no <laughs> sorry way too long <laughs> we have a whole series devoted to crow. Uh, go check him out. Um, it, we we basically cover from his resurrection all the way till what our essentially season the next the thing that happens here. The do we did we go all the way through we lost? Over, I couldn't we go all we the did. way through season of the lost. Um, so the only thing that's not included in that is what's happened to him in game in the uh, most recent seasons since Witch Queen, and all of those are available to play. So yep, uh, play him. Play this. Play go. the seasonal story, people. Play the play the play the game. Do the stuff. But so sticking with um, our Awoken series, we're not going to go off into Crow because he's he's kind of outside of the Awoken at this point. Um, he's he's a guardian now. Yeah. After that resur- after that that resurrection cutscene, uh, I think it's one maybe two more weekly cycles through. Mara gives us the message of. You know, I'm. I can't stay here. I'm not going to stay at the Dreaming City. I need to leave because I have a war to fight elsewhere. I'm going to trust you and Petra to hold the line here in the Soul System, and I'll be back. And then she leaves, <laughs> essentially. Poof. Just poop gone. gone to the ether. Uh, and she stays gone for a long ass time. Um. Yeah. Pretty much from from that moment in Forsaken, which was a couple months into the Forsaken expansion, Mara does not reappear until Season of the Lost, post Beyond Light. 
yeah the, the season before witch queen even um yeah so i mean we're talking two whole expan almost three whole expansions there that we don't or two and a half we'll yeah. say yeah it is a long time uh during that time there's really not much to talk about uh it was mostly just the awoken were stuck in this curse cycle repeating those same three weeks over and over and over trying to find a way to break it unsuccessfully since it's still going on um and mara was off fighting in a, a different on a different front uh and so in in game presumably as well as in real life years go by uh and we finally get a hint that mara what mara has been doing all this time and that we may see her again um during season of the hunt which is the season that launched with beyond light uh during there there were these uh communications vanguard communications that you could go to zavala's office and listen to uh most of them were from osiris kind of dictating uh journal entry style uh what happened to him leading up to the loss of sagira uh but one of those was from marasov and that transmission just says this to all corners of the system I've emptied the armories on the fringe, sent Corsair warship fleets, deployed harbingers, and yet the Black Fleet persists. I know what it's taken from you. Petra, I've been away too long, and for that I apologize. Your compassion and leadership have been a boon to me and our people. This all started with the Dreaming City. I shall return to finish it. Savathun will be waiting. And the transmission ends. And that's like, that's such an important thing too there. Cause she talks about like, I mean, she emptied the armories, like, holy shit. Uh, first off. Uh, but at that point in time, uh, we had had, um, there was there was the season of and I can't even remember the name of it now, um, but it was basically the season of Rasputin, and during that season when we did the when we were inside the bunkers, uh, there was a map of the soul system, like a like just kind of like a uh, like an LED map, like mm-hmm. you could see like there was the sun, there's Mercury, there's there's Earth, there's Moon, there's the you know there's Jupiter, there's Saturn, and like each week, the it would it would have a set of red dots in the shape of triangles on the far end of it, outside the heliopause, out past Saturn, out past Neptune, out past Uranus. Haha, had to put that in there. Uh, and they were slowly moving in. And like when Beyond Light hit, like I want to say, like literally. So that that season happened right before Rivals, and then Rivals happened, which, you know, now they're there, and there was a cutscene where, like, you know, there's just a, a, a wide shot of the surface of Jupiter, and this this black triangle just kind of comes over the the fucking darkness sound and everything, and, and uh, yeah, like that. So, but while, but, so that happens, and, and 
this transmission happens like a season later, two seasons later, like after season of arrivals, um, to say, Hey, I, I've, I, I've, I've done everything I can. I, this is the, I, I did my final stand. I hope to God that y'all have figured something out by now. Cause I'm coming home and we're going to figure this out together. Yeah. So, uh, we get a hint that Mara is is going to has been fighting the 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 Black Fleet outside of our system. Uh, expended her resources and is coming back. Um, and that leads us into kind of the the prelude to season of the Lost. Um, I'm gonna try and get through some of this uh quickly ish to to keep us. Hopefully under the two and a half hour mark, uh, but we're we're gonna be I, I going through the Pathfinder set. Um, so and this was the set that came out with Season with Season of the Lost. Of the Lost yep. Um, okay. So to to give some distinction here, uh, yeah, Mara is out on the outskirts of the system, and um, the Awoken are concerned about something called ley lines, which has been uh it was I think is first established during season of the lost uh the lay so. the ley yeah. lines are naturally occurring um kind of paracausal hallways that exist within the ascendant realm that you can use to traverse uh vast distances across the material world uh so Think of it as like when you're in Minecraft and you go to the Nether and you travel eight block. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean whatever example you got to use. Um, exactly. But so the the Awoken are concerned with these ley lines um, because you know wherever those ley lines cross is a spot that something can pop out of. And uh, Petra sees these ley lines as a path for Mara to return to the Dreaming City with. Uh, whereas the Techians see these ley lines as a danger. And that is where we get into the Pathfinder set. And this is going to the this is gonna uh show the story of um the the kind of new group of Techians, the new coven, uh, as well as explain kind of what led to the events of season of the lost as far as like what we were doing in that season. So we're going to start with the pathfinder helm and it goes like this. Petra stood at the bordering cliff's edge of the Davilian mists wrapped in a concealing vapor beside her, Ilan, Techian coven mother, a deluge of water spewed from deep within the stone below. Gentle tremors rippled through their bodies without notice. The pure sky above them tore like well-worn fabric as fronds of malignant taken growth crept into the dreaming city. They will be upon us soon. It is not enough to simply halt Oryx's advance, Petra said. She had spent months of conversation building the kindling to an idea in Ilan's thoughts prior to the Battle of Saturn. A new coven, a new class of sister recruits, 
Now, with the Queen's flagship in ruins and the coven missing several of its most skilled Techians, there was no longer the luxury of refusal. I can't hold the reef with Corsairs alone. I can't search for the Queen with looking glasses and a depleted armada. We need more Techians, Illin. You know I'm right. Illin shook her head. We are not weapons for the Queen's wrath to command. The coven's reluctance to forge the next link in the chain of their lineage was a strong one. Since the formation of Eleusinia and the exploitation of Riven, the elder Techians had grown protective of their arts. Techniques and texts were kept close. Despite all that, Petra knew Ilan had always been listening to her words. She too had dreamt of the Harbinger's failure, of Oryx taking her sisters. We will snap the ley line shut and seal the city, Ilan concluded. No, Petra retorted, the queen is lost and might still return. She turned to the coven mother. Of your seven, how many are still alive? Petra felt a mournful flame stoking beneath Ilan's visor. Precisely, Ilan said, we haven't the strength. Then heed my requests. Petra waved away the mist between them. Train more sisters. Ilan finally broke her gaze with the sky and scowled at Petra. We haven't the time. Training spans decades. Make it work, Petra demanded before taking a breath and continuing. Ilan, I will do whatever you need. Please, can we work through this together? Ilan's head sunk. She leaned over the cliffside, over the stream of plummeting mist, and watched the flow of water drop into endlessness. Send me your candidates. I hope they're stronger than you were. And that's the end of that lore card. I was I was with you all the way to the end, and I almost I almost did the drifter. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> that was that was kind of a ugh, that was a kick right in right in Petra a little bit right in her gut a little bit. Uh, yeah. So this this is very much the 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 commander of the of of the Awoken. Like like you you will do this. Like do whatever it takes. Like I don't care if. I, that's 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 like in the movies where they they're like oh this is gonna take six hours and they like they turn around like you have three yeah like that's yeah. that's what's happening here so yeah so uh, Petra is you know forcefully convincing Ilan yeah we need to train more Techians because we need people to protect us and look for Mara and try to help Mara come back um. And so Ilan very reluctantly agrees uh, and uh, presumably creates like a crash course for Techian arts. Um, that's, what, that's what I see it as. Like, like te- <laughs> Techian arts for dummies. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. <laughs> so we get uh, some glimpses into uh, the training for some of these these Techians. Uh, in the next one, which is the Pathfinder chess piece, 
um, which goes like this. Cesari shifted on the wooden operating table. Why must she be the first? She probed the jelly-like substance smeared across her forehead as Elder Kali entered the room. Don't touch that. It's an antiseptic and a binding agent, Kali said, placing a sizable blue crystal-adorned mask next to an assortment of scalpels, hooks, and erosion stencils. Each tool was etched with ceremonial iconography and freshly sharpened. Normally, it takes years to become an adept among our rank, but the Queen's Wrath believes time is short. If you survive, these arguments will expedite your training and enhance your abilities. Kelly turned away to work on a mortar and pestle. You will need to learn to focus under duress. Remove your mind from this place. Sink into the cosmic. Project out from yourself. There is no pain, no flesh, no nerves. Sejari gripped the sides of the operating table and pressed her back flat until no air existed between her and the surface beneath, until she felt herself a part of it. She told herself to ignore the grinding of the pestle and the thought about how Petra had taught her to use the physical as a transitory conduit to the Ascendant. Drink this, Kali ordered, handing Sejari a small cup of Queen's Foil tea. Shizari opened her eyes and released her grip as her meditation broke. Yes, elder sister, give me a moment to focus, please. She pleaded, hastily gulping down the tea. You think my voice is sharper than this knife? Kali asked, lifting the scalpel from her table. Duress. You must push through if you are to survive. Be strong, or you will die. This is your final test. Sejari drank quickly and pressed herself to the table once more. She focused on her fingertips and the feel of hand-worked wood. The grain formed diminutive pathways for her nails to trace, tiny patterns hidden away within the enormity that surrounded them, only revealed by shrinking one's perspective. She let herself drift. Kali threaded the thin metal edge directly through to the bone of Sejari's skull. A line of incision opened a wave of red, searing penetration through the layers. Overwhelming electrified senses, they gave way to a calming sting in the discordant firing of nerves. A pattern, a texture, the split between what was and what could be. In her mind's eye, Sejari saw the ley lines unfurl like budding petals of a living blossom, nebula-like plumes of pollen. She let herself slip away until the pain of her flesh was only one of many choices that lay before her. And that's the end of that lore card. Did Callie just scalp her? Uh, She's affixing... The, the visor that we see all of the um all of the techians wear is apparently permanently affixed to their skull via this what? operation. And so I, the their their final test 
as a techian to prove that they is to do this without fucking sedation is to be able to meditate yourself so you don't feel the pain essentially get the fuck out of here dude uh, okay all right i'm with petra on this one <laughs> screw the techians i'm gonna go be a wrathful soldier that's what's gonna happen yeah i'll take the corsair route please uh <laughs> yeah no thank you so holy shit and presumably all of the new techians went through this we just saw the oh my god the first uh sejari um oh. yeah <laughs> wasn't ready for that one <laughs> holy crap you just hit me with all these things live too like I... you're welcome <laughs> i wasn't ready tonight okay I should have prepared myself. I gave, but that's fine. I gave you the reading list, although it was a little shorter notice this time around. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Um, so we're gonna keep moving along with the Pathfinder set. Uh, so we we can see like the the what's happening here. Uh, Petra pushing. We need more Techians and the Techians fulfilling her request. Although they're doing things, you know. Uh, Kelly said, like, normally this doesn't happen for until years into your training, but it's happening now because we don't have another choice. I hope you live, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that leads us into the um, Pathfinder grips, the, the gloves. Uh, and it goes like this. Yulia placed her hands on the focusing crystal once more. It had been months since she had seen the stars. Her view every day was instead of the same stone chamber she shared with twelve others. It doubled as both training ground and lodging for a new crop of Techians. The mustiness made Yulia crave the open air of the dreaming city's skyward turrets. She imagined them piercing the sky like masts and drawing the clouds into sails. In her mind, the whole city sailed through the ascendant ocean, navigating the ley lines like currents. Yulia placed herself there, a voyage, a turret crow's nest in search of distant land, ascendant anchors restraining cloud sail billows against the wind of her will. She tried to introduce that place to this one to let them meet and exchange atmosphere. Make this real, she thought. But it was nothing more than a thought. The concepts were familiar, but the execution was still foreign. Yulia adjusted the crystal in her hands as if the orientation mattered. Of all her sisters, only she still couldn't shape the ley lines. They're going to shift soon, you know. Austin chided. I know, Yulia spat back without looking. An explosion shook the room, raining plumes of dust over them and breaking their concentration. Damn it, Yulia slammed a fist into the smooth stone and cast the crystal, crystal orb across the floor. Why are we training in a war zone? Austin watched the crystal skip to the edge of the chamber. This place is built upon a crossroads of ley lines. If you can't align with them here, don't say it. Yulia hissed as she stood to retrieve the crystal. I need to try again. As she walked, the wall before her illuminated and split into a doorway. Petra Venge entered the chamber. 
haggard, soot-dulling the sheen of her armor. Yulia stopped in her tracks. She hid away her embarrassment, despite knowing that Petra hadn't seen her cast away the focusing crystal. Petra's foot tapped the crystal. She bent and scooped it from the ground and looked to Yulia's empty hands. Do not lose this. There aren't many left. My apologies. I I need to try again. Petra scanned the faces of each of the thirteen would-be Techians before her. The creases beneath their eyes drew deeper from stress and lack of sleep. I had trouble just the same. Let me show you how I did it. And that's the end of that card. Oh, little Techians in training. So, oh, yeah. I don't know whose side to pick now. It's so cute. They're stuck in a cave and being forced to do this in an active war zone. I mean, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I'm, I, I, I choose Corsair. (laughs) That's cute though. Like Petra is like the, hey, let me show how I did it, and then all the, all the little, all the younglings. you do it yeah like, yeah that's yeah yeah i like it uh so you know petra's at least understands this there's this yeah. a lot i mean petra went through the techian training to at least a point before she ended up leaving but she's yep. been through some of this she understands what they're going through and what she's asking of them by saying we need them trained um so that brings us to uh, one of these Techians trainees that we need to pay particularly close attention to. And that is the trainee Austin that was mentioned briefly in the previous card. They have an interaction in this next one that's pretty important to what happens next. So... This is the card from the Pathfinder's legs, the leg armor, and it goes like this. Austin sat in silence with eyes shut. Ley lines swept over her in waves, in pulses, which she slowly brought into alignment with her own. Entanglement. It was not the first time she had pressed herself into symbiosis with the Ascendant Plane. She'd been through the thoughts of all the sisters in her coven. She had dreamt with Petra and harvested secrets from her, with the queen's wrath being none the wiser. Austin knew they were meant to save Queen Marasov. They were meant to find her and restore the throne. She had been searching the ley lines for a path to the queen each night after her training. Her coven sisters lay sleeping all around her body, but her mind flew through countless panes of prismatic glass. As they shattered, she flitted from one plane to the next, catching momentary glimpses of incommunicable wonder. In the distant cosmos far ahead, Austin saw a darkened haze of indecipherable noise. Somewhere nestled in the ley lines, this shadowed spot was growing. Austin knew Marasov was distant. She knew the queen had obscured herself from her enemies. Austin had felt a presence reach from the noise toward the dreaming city more than once. 
Tonight, she would reach back. Austin focused her will on a path to the distant noise, and as she did so, it was. The way was open, but still so far. She reached out with her physical body, placing a hand in the air before her and splitting the oxygen with her touch. She carved a slit in reality through the molecules of the air, and the path anchored to it at her command. The noise descended upon her, and instantly she was at the precipice. Hand pressed frozen, paralyzed in a wash in insidious whispers that shredded the doorway into open nothing. It tore her consciousness across the cosmos to a grand terrace of onyx swords and emerald flame, reigning over a red harbor. Fingers reached like blades from distant hollows, screaming noise upon noise. A lone figure stood on the terrace aside two empty thrones, testing, prodding, tasting, breeding war. Austin, a familiar voice, pried her back into the waking world. Austin, are you all right? She woke. Soaked in sweat and heat, Petra Venge stood over her, gripping her shoulders. Austin struggled to breathe. Her eyes met Petra's. Austin? They'd leave you behind if they knew what you just saw, she thought to herself. Just a nightmare, Austin reassured the Queen's wrath. Thank you for waking me. And that's the end of that lore card. Yeah, that was not a nightmare. <laughs> Bre- say say that line again. What is it? Breathing, breeding, living, war. Testing, with two thrones. prodding, tasting, breeding, war. Uh, a lone figure stood on a grand terrace of onyx swords and emerald flame. Aside two empty thrones. That's that's Zebo Wrath. It's absolutely Zebo Wrath. That is that is Zebo Wrath. If I ever ever heard ever heard of a description of a Zebo Wrath, yeah, that's holy shit. So what? Okay, so okay, so this lone little Techian who thinks that I got the gift and goes on their own little expedition here and through the ley lines post hours like mm-hmm. you should be sleeping and then finds said something what what the hell does she find so she she essentially she finds a a dark spot in the right. the vision of the ley line she finds this this uh shrouded area that she can't um see through and she knows like in in her mind she's going well i know mara is trying to protect herself is trying to keep herself hidden Maybe this shrouded area is is Mara trying to conceal herself. And she said that she has sensed a presence of some sort come from that shrouded area of the ley lines and reach out towards the Dreaming City before. So uh, in her head, okay. she's going... Oh, that's that's Mara trying to get back. That's gotta be Mara. I'm gonna yeah. make a connection with her, and I'm gonna save the day and bring her over into the Dreaming <laughs> City all on my own. Stupid. <laughs> Turns out 
<laughs> Stupid. That, uh, that dark spot is the throne world of Shivu Arath. And Shivu, yeah, has been reaching out to the Dreaming City to send troops. Yup. And, uh... Well... Austin has just made plant. connection with Shivu's throne world, albeit briefly. And, th- and, and then just brushed it off. Petra came in and was like, hey, oh, it's just a nightmare. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> well, because she's afraid of, like, they, they would kick me out if they knew what... Oh, they'd, what they'd kill her. I just saw. I think they'd kill her. Maybe. Yeah. Like, you, you just invited Zero Wrath into the Dreaming City, like... See, kids, secret secrets hurt someone. Secret secrets are no fun. Now try telling Mara that. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. So our, uh, we're going to finish off the Pathfinder set um, with the events immediately before Season of the Lost. Uh, kind of the, the events that happen that lead us into what our guardian has to do during Season of the Lost. Uh, this is on the Pathfinder class item, and it reads like this. Petra watched Sadia preside over the 13 of the New Coven. A mixture of pride and fearful anxiety nodded in her stomach, as if the interior of her skin was being tugged into her gut by warm sinew strings. She held the shape of her smile until they had taken their positions within the blind well. Austin, Ilya, Sejari formed the core of the party, while the others interlinking in an exterior circle. They situated themselves at the key points around a thrumming wayfinder's compass that bent the air into wild chromatic slurries. The well awakened. They prepared their minds, slipping into meditation. Communion in searching, thirteen voices spoke as one, and then silence as the well dropped into prisms of glass beneath the novice coven's feet. Not but a moment ago, the thirteen stood within the blind well, hands and minds interlocked. Now they cascaded through a river of possibility will, and intention. It was not long before the connection was made. Queen Marasov's voice filled their thoughts, and they drew to it like gravity. The Coven sisters skipped between ley lines, ricocheting from time to place until they found themselves swirling in the whirlpool accretion of a brilliant Celestine goddess, their queen. Not far beyond it, Austin again saw the dark noise. She kept her eye upon it while each of her sisters reached out until the image of Marasov manifested and her words found footing in understanding. They focused their will upon her words and before them a pale screen of fog and glass gave way into a distant ley line beyond soul. You have done well, my Techians, said Mara stepping from the nothing into their presence. She placed her hand on the Wayfinder's compass. Take me home. The coven turned their minds back to the dreaming city, to safety, to Petra, 
but as they began their return journey through the ascendant plane and across the ley lines, they felt the presence of another watching. At the edges of the accretion, a din of distorted noise pursued them. Mara glowered at Austin before turning and raising her palms. With a single word, the ley line shattered behind them, sending a lance of energy through the heart of the noise as they sped away toward the dreaming city. I will not suffer a bloodied mongrel at my heels, whispered Mara. Keep your focus. She will be back. Austin could feel the noise encircling them again, as it had done to her that night in her bed. It would suffocate them in this dream. Each time the coven shifted ley lines, so too did the noise. She knew they could not escape it, and through her, so did her sisters. It descended upon them, and as it grew, the noise manifested into whispers. Austin's mind could think of nothing but one name, Shivu Arath. She could see the dreaming city, but the image wasn't clear. The sharpness of the connection was darkening. Her sisters felt her worry. They did not have the strength to escape. Their minds aligned on an action. Austin grabbed the compass and placed it in Mara's hands. We will ensure your arrival. Each sister shifted her thoughts from the dreaming city to her own corner of the ascendant plane, and with a burst of will, they scattered themselves across the ley lines. The noise halted momentarily, and then split in every direction to follow them. Morosov crashed to her feet as she connected with the floor of the blind well. My queen, Petra looked to quickly sealing rift from which she fell. Where are the others? And that's the end of that lore card. I mean, that that explains exactly what we were doing in season of lost mm-hmm. like that's that was the whole purpose like as you're going through season of lost uh which was the season that led up to witch queen uh like you're you're going through all these different ley lines and all these different ascendant planes to try to get these techians back to try to to try to <laughs> essentially rescue them one by one yeah, and uh, if we're wondering the state of these fledgling Techians as they have forced themselves to the far corners of the Ascendant Plane to act as a distraction for Shivu Arath so that Mara may escape, uh, we have an, uh, another lore entry um, from the exotic armor piece No Backup Plans that tells us exactly what it was like for them, or at least for one of them. Uh, so no backup plans goes like this. Austin is thrown out of the ley line into a piece of flat stone, no bigger than a banquet table. High walls rise on all sides, an impossible place, a hiccup in the ascendant energies. It will do. She measures the space to the far corner of the stone cell and then faces the rippling wall of energy that deposited her there. She thrusts her hands back into the flowing magic and uses her skills as a wayfinder to churn the boundaries of the line. Soon the undertow takes hold, and the activity is enough to draw the attention of anything scrabbling through the darkness. She rests, 
then reaches again into the swirling magic, feeling for something that does not belong. The outstretched arm of a hive thrall, groping blindly through the turbid energy. With worrying immediacy, she finds one, thin and brittle. Part of it remains shift-bound to an unknown plane. Her hands snap shut and she twists, feeling the limbs splinter in her grasp. The creature shrieks. She steps back and uses the last of her magic to spread a thin crystal wall across the front, the air in front of her, just as a horde of Shivurath's rave, uh, raven, raven, just as a horde of Shivurath's ravenous hive. It highlighted no in the middle of that word for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it did. Uh, lured by the sound of suffering, force a breach in the line. They puddle and then pool, forming a deep well as they flow into her trap, held fast by the crush of their compatriots. The clot of ravenous hive builds, their claws scraping against the crystal, and Austin sits with her back to the barrier and waits for her queen. So. These fledgling Techians threw themselves to the the outer reaches of the plane, made themselves bait by drawing hive, drawing the hive of Shivu Arath to them, and then just created barriers and sat and waited and hoped that someone was gonna come for them. Like one person barriers too, like like the tiniest of spaces. Yeah, the space of a, a coffee table was what she yeah. was sitting on essentially so um but yeah it was rather recent but for anyone that didn't play season of the lost uh our guardian at this point is uh you know mara has just arrived via the method described in these cards has just arrived in the soul system uh has struck a deal with savathun at the time to remove her worm in exchange for uh, I, I guess like assistance for well for us it was with a, in exchange for Osiris um, but I feel like she made a deal with Mara separate of that oh absolutely Absolutely. I mean Queen of Secrets had to have done something secretive yeah like it might have just been the assistance in dealing with the fleet perhaps or something along those lines oh sure sure because at the time, like that would be a like to ask essentially a what would have been a disciple to be, like hey right. maybe come help me fight the witness rather than join him. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that'd be a huge bargaining chip there. So, um, but essentially she she strikes the deal with Savathun. I will exercise your worm if uh, you you know do uphold this bargain whatever it may be uh but she needs techians to do it and all her techians just scattered to the the ascendant plane winds and so our guardian is tasked with uh going out into the ascendant plane and finding these techians and bringing them back so that they can perform this exorcism uh and you know we're fighting the um the forces of Shivu Arath the entire time. Uh again, not gonna get too much into Crow, but it 
just to note, like Crow does make an appearance at this, at this point in the story. Um, he meets Mara, he meets Petra. He doesn't know his connections to them until the end of the season where Savathun gives him all of his memories back, uh, and induces his most recent of struggles, which we see play out in season of the risen. Poor guy. Is it, it's essentially the only guardian that has all of his memories. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, soon <laughs> would be the only other. Yeah. I guess he's not a guardian. Light bearer would be the better term there. Right. But, uh, so as far as the story goes, um, the only other point of relevance that I want to point out for the Awoken in particular, uh, is that in the Witch Queen, immediately following Season of the Lost, where Mara attempts to murder Savathun and um, is kind of successful just to have Savathun yeah. then revived, un- unbeknownst to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the plan all along. I. Uh, but the only other interaction we have that, that's relevant um, for the Awoken and for Mara in the Witch Queen thus far has been the Parasite quest. And uh, essentially the only thing I want to take away from that is Mara stating that the she met the witness and the witness yep. showed her a vision of Mara being a disciple and helping the witness bring on the extinction of the soul system. The final shape. Which to Mara, who has in these entries uh, obtained godhood, is described as a goddess, uh, and sacrificed so much in the pursuit of power to protect humanity and the soul system to be shown a vivid realistic vision of the future and be told you will be my instrument of their downfall has shaken her up quite a bit oh absolutely like the the if, if when you go do the mission at one of the cutscenes, like she like she's talking and she says something she like turns away and like she's visibly shaken like it it she's yeah so the uh, the last lore card I want to read tonight is from Season of the Lost, and uh, it returns to our good friend Julian Till one last time, uh, talking about Julian's reaction to finding that Crow is Crow, essentially. Uh, that, that Aldrin I, was resurrected. I swear to God, if you make me cry again. Uh, so this comes to us from the Eternal Recurrence Sparrow that dropped with Season of the Lost. And it goes like this. Petrovenge found Julian on the range, as she'd expected. A lone figure lying face down on the ridgeline, sighting a barely visible target on the far side of the ravine. You never really needed a spotter, did you? No, Julian replied, squinting up at her. 
but I always liked the company. He offered her a rangefinder. Care to join me? Petra settled down beside him and sighted the next target. Julian pressed his eye to the supremacy's massive scope. I heard he's back, he said. Then you heard wrong. Petra squinted through the rangefinder. You know how it is with guardians. He goes by Crow now. Julian snorted. <laughs> Ironic. Only Aldrin could make immortality a demotion. Wind is 16 kilometers from your nine, 4,700 meters out, Petra replied. Send it. Julian let out a long, slow exhale, and then a deafening boom as the supremacy kicked. Petra didn't bother to check the target. He took a lot of abuse after he rezzed, she said, breaking the silence before it could fully settle. I never knew why. Gave him a bit of humility, if you can believe it. Julian lifted his head, shifting his focus from the scope of Petra's inscrutable expression. He raised an eyebrow. I'd like to see that myself. I know. Petra pressed her lips together in sympathy. That's why I'm here. Mara thinks it's best if we limit his contact with others. Keeping him in her pocket, huh? Aldrin might have changed, but it sounds like Queen Mara is the same as ever. Petra's tone hardened. Be that as it may, you've got your orders. Stay away. It's fine, Julian said with a smile, but it did not reach his eyes. I've gotten used to Aldrin being dead. Probably best he stays that way. And that's the end of that lore card. Dude, if we get... if <sighs> Okay, one of these next seasons, I want to see Julian. I want to see, the, I want to see the, the reunion of the two. That's what I want. I think now that Aldrin, or that Crow has come to terms with Aldrin and Aldrin's memories and has come to terms with, like, Mara manipulating him but still being family, like, I totally think it's possible that we see a reunion between these two, and that would be so cool to me. I'd, I'd lose my shit. I would lose my shit. But that's it. That's the end. Holy shit, we did it. <laughs> Holy shit, we did it. El- 11 parts? 11 parts. 22 plus hours? We're, we've got to be up to 24 hours. Eh, probably of, getting close, yeah. History. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was the longest story to tell. That was literally the longest story. Mm-hmm. Uh, well... Shit, now what? <laughs> uh, do we got any shout-outs? We do. So we've got two shout-outs uh, in, in particular that I, I want to uh, shout-out real quick tonight. We're going to try and make the ending stuff here fast. Um, so yep. the first shout-out comes to us from Apple Podcasts. Uh, someone left us a very kind five-star review uh, with the username Jdan with a bunch of A's. Uh, so their comment is titled returning light. Um, 
They say, you guys are awesome. I just recently got back into Destiny and you guys are connecting all the dots for me in one central location while I work. I essentially get paid to listen to you. Good job, y'all. Uh, this is another person Hell yeah. that apparently values us over their work productivity. So. You're goddamn right. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. I, I, I love I love to, again, I, I say this every week, I love that people are able to to, to get something out of this. Cause I, I'm very much a, an advocate of knowledge is power, and so for us to be able to put that knowledge out there and for people to, to, to be consuming it and, and get something out of it, I, yeah absolutely thank you yeah, and especially as a returning player um yeah as it seems that this person is yeah there might be some stuff you didn't you didn't experience um so and we we're always trying to approach it from the like what is what is the most complete version making as few assumptions as we can so that people can yep. hopefully understand even if they didn't you know play through that portion um but our, our second shout out for tonight comes to us from Audible. Uh, and actually, this is specifically the UK version of Audible, which I thought was kind of cool. Ooh. Uh, so We're international, baby. I know, right? Um, Hell yeah. So this is a five-star review on Audible. Thank you very much. I, which was, I believe, from a jmercer09 is the username but they they say i've been listening for a while now and i just wanted to say that i love this podcast as i'm really into destiny lore and listen every other night to fall asleep keep it up fellas uh thank you hopefully that it's not like a sleep aid because we're boring <laughs> uh but that that's it for for our shout outs tonight well thank so. you thank you to, thank you to both of both of you yeah. J J Dan and J Mercer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I have my thank you then. Um thank you Julian. I I love you. All right. Well, there we go. From one soldier to another. I love you. All right. So, uh real quick if you uh like what you like what you're listening to, like what we're doing, uh, we'd absolutely love for you to leave a review, Apple Podcasts, Audible, whatever it may be. Uh, those mean a lot to us. You may hear yourself uh, in a shout out in the future. Additionally, we have a Twitter. It's at Myths and Stories with a Z uh, as the first S in stories. Um, you can reach out there if you want to leave a comment or have questions or want to have a, uh, a discussion about lore. Um, we're always up for uh, respectful discussions there um so you can uh you can reach out that way as well but uh even if you don't leave any any of that uh we still really are appreciative of all of our listeners uh we're glad you guys are we're along for this ride with us this this was a long one i <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was this was rough it was a never-ending story uh i really love the awoken but holy crap do they have a lot to talk about <laughs> I I I think and and this is just kind of like a like a PSA like I think our next few couple of possibly weeks are going to be shorter stories where they, yeah. they're going to be like the <laughs> ones and two parts. I want to I want to go back to that format for a little bit to kind of take a break from these these cuz these bigger ones they're they're chunky. Yeah. Uh they're they're good but they're chunky. So yeah. Um we're definitely uh next week is obviously the reveal. Um this is it. We're next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, 
shoot, yeah, yeah in a week. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a glimpse of what Lightfall is gonna be like. Like we're we're six months out from Lightfall, presumably. Like, holy shit! Uh, Arc 3.0 is coming out. We got all sorts of predictions and 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 reactions and everything. So next week, uh, to make up for our longer episode this week, uh, we're gonna have a little bit of a shorter episode next week. Uh, to it's just gonna be kind of like our predictions of where the story's gonna go. Um, because we love doing that. Myth and I, Myth did so so well. Um, on connecting all the dots uh, and and predicting that it was going to be the moon, that it was going to be callous, that it was going to be um, the like it, it's man myth myth hit the nail on the head uh, with this with with last season's prediction. You're setting a really high bar here that I don't know that I can aspire to. <laughs> I am, dude. I'm, but yeah, no, I I I have some thoughts of my own of, of what next season's going to be as well. So we'll save all that for next week. Uh, we'll do a prediction video and then. Uh, Tuesday's the reveal. Uh, we may have like a, a late episode uh, go out either Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning uh, as Myth and I do our, our reactions to that and say, oh my God, this is what we got right. This is what we got wrong. With, you know, new predictions, re-predictions. So next week we'll, we might have two episodes out. We probably will, um, but they'll be, they'll be a little bit shorter uh, rather than the, these big, long, chonky ones. Yeah. Yep. So yeah uh myth anything else tonight that's it all righty well then from all of us guard all of us lore nerds well we can be guardians too uh to all of you lore nerds and guardians out there we'll see you next week